0: As a woman striving to climb the corporate ladder in a male-dominated industry, you know the standards and criticism that women face. Yes, even today. Not only is our inner voice speaking negatively, but the co-workers that give their input, uninvited, can speak louder than most. At what point do you give in to the negativity and begin to look for work elsewhere? I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf, and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all out on Amazon and is now a bestseller. Today, we are joined by April Hick and Marissa McNeilands, the creators of Toast, a membership based collective that's flipping the hiring dynamics for women in tech by women in tech. On today's episode, April and Marissa share their journeys in business and how forming a group of supportive women and creating a strong community has been the key to success in their corporate clients. They believe in helping the lonely only and are striving to help women step out of the toxic places and into their true calling. Here we go. I am so excited to have April and Marissa here on Speak Kindly. You're listening because of what they have developed over the past few months because we talk about our inner gremlins all the time and they are now helping other women change their inner gremlins to get into positions where they are making more money and that they understand their worth. But before we even get to that point where you both stepped into and are helping women, tell me a little bit about your own inner gremlins that you've experienced, whether it was in the launch before Toast or even from a few years ago where you spoke unkind words to yourself.
1: Yeah. I think there's definitely been a lot of instances throughout my career journey. About seven years ago, I took a big leap from a mostly woman-dominated field of human resources into tech for the first time really experienced being the lonely only few women within tech teams, also coming into rooms with, you know, IT consultants who've been in the industry for 25 years thinking, you know, who is this girl who has zero technical experience, you know, leading these conversations. And as someone who I think comes off quite confident and is able to communicate well and hold my own within those, I think that sometimes, you know, creates a lot of defensiveness within other people. And through that learning curve was you know, very difficult. ate ate away at me a lot. All the, you know, little comments, people putting me into a box. You know, I was doing so much work to gain technical skills to work with my technical teams. If I was in a meeting and didn't know something, I would be enrolling in a course and be up until 4am trying to learn about it. And I think I was and honestly still am seven years later put into a non-technical box uh, quite a bit. And I think that's impacted the way that I was able to or or wasn't able to progress within my career. You know, we talk about imposter syndrome. I think that really impacted The way that I advocated for myself or didn't advocate for myself, honestly, I waited for other people, usually women, to pull me up into roles to progress my career. And I went through a mass layoff where I had two levels of leadership. All of my peers, all of my direct reports walked out in front of me in a day. And all of a sudden, all those people who were pulling me up in my career were no longer there and i was kind of left to fend for myself and i know the impacts of being laid off on on someone's psyche are really rough and i think sometimes we also underestimate survivors guilt and, and being that one person left not knowing why not knowing who advocated for me or why i'm here and then once again starting from the bottom you know having a new leader having a new team being put into that box again two years into, you know, learning and progressing myself and building my reputation, I honestly felt I would never get out, that there was no roles for me. I was applying for roles that were, you know, a 50% salary decrease. I was not valuing myself the way that other people were when I had a support system. And at that point is when I decided that I needed to go outside of the organization and look for community and search for community and that's actually how I met April my co-founder as well as some of my best friends was through a community in Calgary called Young Women in Business and it was the first time in my life where I started you know, having conversations with women about salary, We talked openly about it. I'd met women who would put their hand up for me when I wasn't in the room and made introductions and opened up doors for me. And I was able to double my salary within a year. And that's really the first time that I started understanding my worth and being able to, understand the voices in my head, why I was experiencing those, how those were a symptom of the system that I was in within corporate. And that's really what inspired Toast and what I'm now doing as a a woman in tech and a woman in artificial intelligence. There's very few of me, and I want to ensure that other women who are the lonely only on tech teams also have a community outside that can support them and kind of drown out, you know, the voices that come up when you're in a system that is made for you.
0: Uh, that felt like a roller coaster that you were describing right there. There's that buildup where you're like, I'm building up that confidence. And it's so fascinating because we can exude all the confidence, except on the inside that we're tearing ourselves down at that point in time. And so we have to give ourselves that opportunity to be able to not just lift up others, but recognize that we can lift up ourselves in that time. And you said lonely only. I think this is the first time I've heard that. And I'm going to use that terminology from now on because it's It's absolutely incredible. So I'm going to shift over to April. I want to hear a little bit about your story and that inner Mm -hmm. voice. And then bring us to that point in time that Marissa's just got us to where you both met then. So from (laughs) before to like that meeting.
2: Yeah. I mean, mine and Marissa's stories are very similar, which is obviously why we were drawn and attracted to one another. So, you know, I think growing up, I didn't have a really great upbringing. And I think once I got into corporate, I had a lot of voices in my head telling me I wasn't good enough to be where I was and that I didn't look like everyone else around me or that I didn't have the same backgrounds or come from the same types of families. And that I hate talking about imposter syndrome because I do feel that the more we talk about it, the more we're like perpetrating this idea that women should have it when realistically we shouldn't. I also think society kind of pushes that on us. But those thoughts in my head pushed me to be more of an overachiever, to prove to myself often that I deserve to be where I am. And much like Marissa was speaking about you know, layoffs or losing your job. What, you know, pushed me into toast was walking away from a job last year. And so I, you know, got to this place where I recognized that these systems are not set up for women to succeed. And, you know, in my personal experience, I'm a mother, I have two children, it adds definitely an extra level of complexity. And after leaving, I doubted whether I was good enough to go to work at all anymore. You know, I think. There's experiences. Someone talked about the trauma, like job trauma. And I think that that's a real thing. If you're in a toxic workplace or you work with toxic people, that trauma can really get into your head and change the way that you think and feel about yourself. So it was a long road for me to, you know, stand on my feet again. It was a good couple months of crying for me to stand up and be like, no, no, no. And thankfully, you know, my co-founder was here to pick me up and be like, no, 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 we're going to dust you off and let's keep going. And we're going to build this super cool thing. And we're going to take our experiences and be able to create a better space for other women.
0: The fascinating aspect in regards to community is the fact that we do have to lean on each other at times. But, and I was just actually at a conference where another dentist who's a few years older than me had said it's actually going to be the generation that is in, in existence right now. So, in between the late 20s to early 40s, who are actually going to be able to open the door and hold the door open because there is still a set group of women who, yes, they had to break down barriers to be able to get there, but it's almost as if they closed the door after themselves and said, well, I had to do it this way, so you need to do it as well. And that comes into fear-based and shame-based learning. Heck, that is what happens within academia at this point and starts to overflow into corporate and to individuals or into organizations and companies that rely on those high achievers. And I appreciate what you said because there's research that has come out in regards to leaving a toxic workplace environment. And it can take upwards of 22 months to recover after you've left a toxic workplace environment. And that's really hard to navigate because now you're in between and maybe you don't have the opportunity to be able to take even a couple of months off from what ended up transpiring and to be able to recover. And then readjust yourself and then give yourself the opportunity to build up that confidence again. So now let's bring both of you together. So both of you came together starting to build this community because this is what I absolutely love because one of the reasons why this podcast and my book came into fruition is I wanted to be able to open up the door and like open up multiple doors for multiple women to come running through afterwards as well. So talk to me about the community that you've built to then help those women with those inner gremlins.
2: Yeah. I want to speak quickly to what you just said too about women kind of, you know, I heard someone refer to it as like pulling the ladder up after oh, you. Yeah. So like, So you get to the top and then they've like rolled up the ladder. It's like, well, you're on your own now. Find your way up there. Whereas we should really be, and Marissa and I often live into lift as we rise. So we're like you often trying to open doors and elevate women's voices. And like, if someone's tapped us on the shoulder, can you guys come speak on this panel? No, but I know another really great girl who would be good to on this panel or or whatever it may be in any way that we can use our voices to help elevate other women. So, um, and Marissa speaks often, which I love about, you know, surrounding yourself with a community of women who think like you. And I think we've seen in in many different areas, the power of simply saying me too, and having people who have gone through the same things as you. And I believe Marissa, correct me if I'm wrong, after you actually started surrounding yourself with a community of women and speaking with women who are very similar to you, didn't you double your salary?
0: Oh. Yes,
2: doubled my salary within
1: a year. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So the power of community is tangible. Oh,
0: I, I love that. But the right community. For sure. Because and and this <laughs> and this is where at times I think that if we go and we find someone cuz this happened to me, first couple of years out of education and like trying to get my footing, I had just moved locations and I put myself in the middle of the wrong women and it tore me down. It made me feel worse than it was. And then I felt that, oh my goodness, this is the entire like network and what am I going to do? But if you are in front of the wrong people or in the wrong group, it's okay. You just get up and go find another group and you have to give yourself the permission to say, okay, this didn't go well. My feelings are hurt, but this isn't going to be everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. And I do want to note that, I I mean, we talk a lot about like corporate structure and it not being made for women, like really corporate is made for white men. And the next level after that is, well, if we're going to have a woman in power, it's likely going to be a white woman. And so I think there's also a lot that we can do and and we need to first understand our privilege that by getting into leadership positions or by even the ability to rise is a privilege because we are white women. And we do need to not only lift up the people who look like us, which has been historically, you know, what has happened as white men, you know, identifying successors for their roles as other white men. And we need to break that cycle. We don't want, you know, white women filling 30% of those roles to only identify successors as other white women. And so there's definitely a lot of work and intentionality that needs to come in as we rise and who we're lifting to ensure that we have diverse voices and that we are elevating women of color, and women with different intersectionalities as well.
0: Oh, big words there for for that next step and for recognizing how we sit in that system as well. And that I think is expansive because at times we may be very insular based on what is happening in our life, but we have to give ourselves the opportunity to be able to say, okay, Let me see this from a bird's eye view. Let me get expansive. And what does that next thing look like? Oh, so good.
2: Yeah, important. And I I will highlight as well that two books, if any woman is looking to read upon how mainstream feminism is essentially still upholding white supremacy, Hood Feminism is a really great book that I just finished, as well as White Women by Regina Jackson. So I'd recommend those to any white women on a journey similar to ours.
0: Oh, I will include that in the show notes. So then that way, if anyone wants to go take a look at it, they have quick access to be able to find it. So take me now into Toast, the community that you were building and how you were helping other women change their own inner narrative.
2: Yeah. So I guess we have uh, two fronts. We have a community, like you said, We have a front-end and kind of a back-end, and uh, on the back-end, we work closely with organizations that are looking to increase gender diversity on their technical teams and hire more women. As Marissa said, she was often the lonely only, and that is not a unique experience for a woman in tech. And so there are organizations out there that are committed to creating safe spaces where women can thrive and looking to hire women. And we've seen that women often won't apply to roles unless they meet, you know, eight to 10 and 10 of the qualifications. Meanwhile, Chad will apply to a role that he meets four out of 10. I believe it was 40% was the number. You know, we're here to support women, get them into roles with organizations that we know will support them as well and create a safe space for them to thrive. We vet these organizations so that, and you know, we won't work with everyone, which is okay. Not every place is a great place for women to go work. So we want women to know that if we have put that toe stamp of approval on it, it is a great place for women.
1: Yeah, I, I think what's important is you know understanding that we're not going to solve the entire problem of, of gender equity within. Tech. We're not. No, I know. <laughs> we try. We try. And so, really, we've tried to determine like what is actionable steps can we take, and really, April and I after meeting and really growing our community and kind of scaling out, you know, our experiences and the mentorship that we had, having so many conversations with women um, every day, every week about salary negotiations, about, you know, who they need to connect with, opening up our network. We really wanted to look at how do we scale that out? How do we really help women get jobs they want for the pay they deserve and with a community that supports them and that community piece is definitely important we have our online community and we're already seeing the community building piece come from that where women are you know moving to a new city making friends have their like job hunt buddies that they chat with every day and are having important discussions but really through our membership we want to make space for women and we want to make space for authentic conversations and so a lot of that is tangible workshops career conversations with people in the field learning from each other building your network but a lot of that is also you know having conversations about how to be a- an ally
0: you touched on key components that are a part of the community that i don't think women know that they don't have to figure it out on their own, right? And I think that Toast gives them that opportunity to be able to say, okay, if I don't have the answer, I don't have to still stay stuck for the next few years. There's a place that is safe to be able to then ask those questions. And Marissa, you had said this, back when you were on that roller coaster ride where you then started to apply for something that was 50% less that salary. Why do you think it's easy for women when they are in that position to then say, you know what, I'll go for something that's less than instead of applying for something that's exactly the same or applying for that next roll up?
1: I think it is that self-talk. We don't have as many people or in some cases you have no one in the workplace that values you the same way as if you were you know a white man and you have 80 90% of your team who is valuing you and you can kind of see that progression up i think for women it's harder to see a path forward there's that broken rung in the ladder and You just don't have the advocates around you and you're all of a sudden forced in the system to advocate for yourself. While also, and this is a bit of a generalization, but for the most part, women who work within tech, you know, if you're in a technical role, you're usually a bit more on the introverted side. It's not the same as, you know, someone who is in more of a business forward position who has to do presentations every day. If you're a, a software developer, you're usually used to, you know, working independently, maybe with your small team, not really being kind of forced to speak up as much and then having this pressure to go advocate for yourself when you are in a minority position, I think it's a lot easier for us to just default to well, I'm going to take whatever I can get just to get out of this situation rather than striving for more because you don't see people doing the same. Mm.
0: What would you say is something your inner gremlin has said to either of you, whether it's on a regular basis or something that you now look back and you think, I can't believe I caught myself saying that to myself time and time again.
2: I still have like a lot of negative self-talk. Marissa and I were on a call yesterday where, and I'm, I'm really glad that I have, you know, really close friends and a business partner. That's a close friend of mine that I can, you know, bounce those things off. Cause sometimes I think I need to be reminded of the things I already know, but sometimes I just need someone who loves me and cares about me to remind me too, because I still have, you know, that negative self-talk that maybe I shouldn't be here and that, you know, I myself in my life, I faced a lot of adversity. And so I sometimes ask myself, why me? Why when there's a lot of people who were in situations similar to mine and they can't pull themselves through, like, why did I end up on the other side? And so, you know, it's a little bit of that survivor's guilt that Marissa spoke of earlier too. And I think that that, again, like those traumas kind of live as little gremlins in your head. And sometimes I just need someone who loves me and cares about me to remind me that it's going to be okay. And that I'm meant to be here and I worked really hard to get to where I am and, you know, that I am capable and I am worthy and I do bring value. It's still uh, it's still there, hey, Maris? Oh, yeah. I think something that April
1: and I, I think, have bonded us forever is that we're both, statistically speaking, should not be sitting in these seats today. We should not be the level of education or making the amount of money or being as successful as we are. And I think for the two of us, we, we talk a lot about, like, our childhood and how our traumas in life impact our self-talk. And so I think it often comes back to the same themes in life. It's just applied to different situations. And I think that took me, honestly, I've only realized that within the last couple of years, because sometimes it feels like You know, when you're in a situation and it feels like failure or you're not doing well enough or, you know, some Chad, whoever, Josh, is automatically assuming that you can't do something, you know, you just accept it as it is. For me, that's something where I hear words. And I recently shared this experience with our Toast membership that one time I was declined for a job because they told me. I was not a strong communicator. They told me I had poor communication skills and I instantly accepted that as is. That's who I was. I was a poor communicator. I could never be in a position that would require communication skills. Like I should just go bury my head somewhere, uh, but never talk to anyone in the world again. And like, I know that's not true now, but that just kind of stems back to, my childhood. And I've been, you know, almost taught to be like, if someone says something about me, this is true. I need to defer to other people to make decisions. And really, yeah, it's just how how is that applied to different positions? And it's understanding the root of that problem that has gotten me through. Like, hey, this is just how my brain works. This is not because of this situation. This is because of everything else, all the other baggage that comes along with me.
2: And I love talking about whenever you hear those really negative things that we internalize. Remember, Marissa, we spoke about this recently where someone gave me the advice that if I wouldn't take advice for that person, if I wouldn't go to that person for coaching on my life or my career, then I do not have to take their negative criticism. I can like listen to it, but I don't need to actually absorb that or, you know, like Marissa did, okay, accept it as fact, especially if it's not someone that you would go to for positive reinforcement or coaching in any sense. Then if they say something, well, that's excellent that that's your opinion. It's
1: actually the biggest, I would say one of the biggest surprises about being a business owner and being an entrepreneur. And really, I don't know if this is just like being a female in this space, or if men also experience this, but the a- amount of unsolicited advice that we get from people oh who God. have never run a business, never come close, like your, are you know, your used car salesman um, <laughs> has, has <laughs> advice on how you should be running your business and wants to tell you what to do. And, you know, sometimes that just like gets to the back of your head where you're like, man, everyone like thinks we don't have this, like, you know, but we have it. We have to keep reminding ourselves we have this, we're doing great things. What is our measure of success? Because we're trying to help women. And so is that going to be like, we're going to help a hundred thousand women, or if we just help one woman, is that the same amount of success for us? And I think everyone kind of has their opinions. And sometimes that plants a seed of doubt, but you kind of have to like set your own values, set your own measure of success and be able to really, really be rooted in those.
2: My mindset definitely changed when I look at success based off impact. So for me, after I did the Brene Brown's like core value exercise, which was so amazing and very hard to narrow down two core values. But I know she says, if you don't have two prior, if you have more than two priorities, you have too many priorities. So I found two, one of them is making a difference. So I measure success for me often is, did I have a positive impact? Did I make a difference? Even if one conversation I had that day made a difference in someone's day or the way they feel about themselves or the way they approach negotiating um, salary with their boss or whatever it may be, then I feel that that day was a success for me. I I did something.
0: Uh, it's so fascinating when we think of self-talk at times because some people will just automatically assume, oh, it's just changing the narrative. But there's so much more that's behind it. And it's almost like the Russian nesting doll where like you unpack it and you keep... And going back to the little itty bitty one, and it starts with family and then you get the system and then friends and then the experiences and then everything starts. And then you have this confidence exterior person. Let's say it is that confidence on the outside that you're exuding. But on the inside, there are all these layers that you still have to work through to understand, is it confidence that you're feeling? Or when it wanes, why is it waning? And how do I start to bring that back? And both of you have shared from inception to navigating through that transformative process to then understanding that, okay, I'm still going to deal with it even when I've built the business and we're in the thick of everything and those gremlins are still going to come up. So when you sit in that moment, and I want to hear from each one of you personally where what is it that your inner cheerleader says to yourself at the end of the day? So let's say you're getting ready for bed or you're taking off your makeup, washing your face, brushing your teeth, and you haven't had the greatest day. What is it that's maybe a comment or a little statement that you end up saying to yourself that your inner cheerleader is there to say that you ended that day?
2: Mm. Often I tell myself, I tried really hard today. Marissa, and I talked about this recently, even like being a mom, being a good parent and like wondering if I'm like doing enough for my kids or my company or my friends or whatever. I tried really hard today and that is enough for me that I tried hard.
0: Love it. Marissa, what about you?
2: I
1: mean, I don't know if this is so much as like a cheerleader, but I would say like the sun will rise tomorrow because I think often... When I'm in that spiral, the best thing I can do is just go to bed, wake up tomorrow. It's a new day. Yeah.
0: And that is the beauty of it. Whether it's your inner cheerleader, inner wise woman, inner sage, inner whatever, you get to create that voice. Ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to be able to share about your inner your inner voices and how you're helping other women as well.
1: Thanks, Jess. Thanks. You for having us.
0: Community, community, community is key. And let me make a distinction. A supportive community is key. What April and Marissa are creating, or should I say, have created, is a space for women to speak freely, be heard, and be supported. In that community, women support each other, lift each other up, open the doors for others, and guide others through. Not only can you combat self-doubt with a supportive community, but you can also help build your leadership success with that supportive community as well. Yes, we live in a world of competition and I don't wanna negate that. However, as a past athlete, you can still have competition, be friends, be supportive and build community. You do not need to tear someone down to gain an advantage and get ahead. Which brings me to our key takeaways from today. Number one, build a supportive community. This is what I like to call your trust squad. I have a brain training exercise for you on my book portal. Link is in the show notes on how to do it. Story time. Back when I first graduated dental school and moved back to Toronto, I had to make a new set of friends. I just spent four years with some of my closest friends who became family, lived through ups and downs, heartaches, woes, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. There was such trust there. Okay, fast forward to graduation and making all new friends again. Well, let me just say, I was stabbed in the back, spoken unkindly to, and picked apart by people who I thought I could call friends. Well, I was wrong. So as I tried to build my community, I had to be mindful of who I led into that circle, into my trust squad. You get to reevaluate those circles from time to time and figure out if they are working for you, with you, or against you. If you walk away from a conversation and have to think, is this person gonna use this against me? Or are they going to think I'm stupid or make you feel embarrassed or ashamed? then maybe that isn't the right person to share with. Your supportive community should lift you up, hold space when you are down, and also cheer your successes on. Key takeaway number two, you are allowed to leave your job. You heard me. I recently read a post about a high-achieving woman feeling stuck in her job because she worked so hard to get to that position. And when she got there, she enjoyed it for a period of time and then became ready to move on. Reading her story reminded me of the time one of my friends asked me if I was upset because there was nowhere else I could go in my position. Essentially, I reached top tier and that was going to be it for the next 25 years. At the time, it didn't bother me because I did work so hard to get there and wanted to enjoy that space that I had created. But that question also sat in the back of my mind. Now for some, consistency and predictability are important, but I knew there would come a time when I would get an itch and would want more. You get to decide if that time is now or later or not at all, but you get to make that decision. You also get to make that decision based on the circumstances that you're experiencing. If you're burnt out or in a toxic work environment or those coworkers are speaking unkindly and it isn't a space you want to be in, that may be reason enough for you to leave. You don't have to feel like you're absolutely stuck sitting at one job when there are supportive communities out there to be able to lead you in a different direction and guide you into making that next step or making that next change. Every episode will have a reflection question, and this is yours for today. Who is in your trust squad? Say that name out loud or in your head if you're in a group of people with your headphones in, but make it known to you. Then, Here's a little something extra for today. Send them a message and tell them you are grateful for having them in your life. It's going to be so unprompted that you're going to put a smile on their face today. When you found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at com. And yes, you can send me a message with just their name because... I will cherish that too. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Remember, when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself, would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly, you're listening.